here knows that the Lord is good in this place. Whew. Oh, you guys. All right. So um, one more announcement-like thing. Every Sunday for like the past several weeks, we've been passing out these like, these note cards. And mostly I've been seeing y'all's kids make paper airplanes out of them. Thank you, Chris Lee, for starting that at our church. So here's what, the reason why we're passing these out is that so when you go to your house church, you can refer back to your notes so you have content to discuss with your spiritual family. So I would love it if, you know, if you hear anything that sounds like it makes sense, that you're like, mm, something that was right, that was for me, just jot it down. We want to know, like, so we have a brain here, and we have a heart, and we have a hand on this side. We want to know what's the most important thing you learned from this sermon. During the sermon and the response time, what were you feeling Based on what God is saying, what's one thing you can do in the next week? This is like your spiritual homework here at church. It's classwork. Oh, and what is God saying to you? So yeah, engage with it to whatever level you feel comfortable. Um, if your child has already destroyed yours, find another one. They're like readily available. Cool? Cool. All right. All right. So we have been in a, uh, a study of the book of Ephesians called Power at Work. And we are examining how the great and glorious power of the God of all creation has been set at work in us and at work for us. We've been journeying through each chapter of Ephesians and we have found ourselves this week in chapter four. Um, usually we stand for the reading of God's words, but I'm gonna ask that you guys stay seated, but also uh, raise your awareness and your attention level to the words that are gonna be read over you. All right, now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have learned about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, Jesus, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another 
tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Lord, um, you are forever exalted, forever enthroned. There's no one like you anywhere. There never will be. There never has been. God, we honor you as God, as Father, as creator, as sustainer, as teacher, as guide, as friend. Lord, we stand in the presence of your holiness in awe. Lord, we stand before you realizing that we are created beings and we have no goodness of our own, but recognizing that you loved us so much that you sent yourself so that we might have full access to you. Lord, I pray that your word would go forth and accomplish what you've purposed. For your word says that the rain and the snow come down from the heavens and stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. You say, Lord, that it's the same with your word. You send it out and it always produces fruit. It accomplishes everything you want it to do, Lord, and it prospers everywhere you send it. Lord, I pray that that word would be especially true for us here today. Lord, I pray that you would take whatever words that I say and that your spirit would amplify, correct, purify, and beautify, beautify them in the hearts of your people. Lord, this time is sacred, is holy, and Lord, we come before you with hearts that are ready to receive your word. Lord, I pray that we receive your word with joy and with gladness. And that we will respond to it with faithful obedience. We love you, Lord. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Ephesians chapter 4. I've actually preached this earlier this year. Um, and I always get the, I, I say this all the time because I always get these, like, you're not holy. You're not living well enough. This is what you need to do better. And this verse is, this, this passage is, is, Exactly that, especially verses 25 through 32. It feels like a list of do's and don'ts, and it is. I've actually clarified it for you in case you didn't catch that. Shakim, don't lie, don't hold grudges, don't give the devil a foothold. That means don't make room for the enemy anywhere in your life because if you give the enemy an inch, he's gonna take a mile. Don't gossip or talk bad about people and things, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, don't be walking around all bitter. Now do tell the truth, do manage your anger, do work honestly, do encourage each other, do listen to the Holy Spirit, and do be kind and tenderhearted. Do's and don'ts, that's exactly what Paul says in this text. And so we look at that and we're like, that's legalism. But I also think that at church, some feedback that I hear is, you know, preachers are really good at rhetoric, but I really need some practical tools for everyday living. This is it. It does not get much more practical than a list of do's and don'ts. So um, one thing I want to focus on before I get to that section is if Shaquem, if you could pull up the first slide of the scripture. In verse 17, it says, Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. And something about the phrase futility of their minds, like, got me thinking. Like, to me, it just was like, man, their mind, they're operating in the strength of their own logic and understanding, but it's not yielding any fruit. It's not give, getting them the results that they hope that it would give. And that feels like super familiar. I've, I'm, you know, 
a millennial-ish type person. And so I spend, you know, some time on social media and I always see these memes on overthinking. And I just am like, me as a mug. So I have one, um, Shaquem, if you could put up that. So it says, I've got 99 problems and 86 of them are completely made up scenarios in my head that I'm stressing about for absolutely no logical reason. That really doesn't have a ton to do with what I'm about to say today, but I think that overthink, overthinking is what I thought about when I read this. Because it's just like, you go, the Gentiles went deeper and deeper and deeper into the recesses of their minds because that's all they had. All they had access to was themselves. And what it, the fruit of that was that they were giving themselves over to sensuality, to greed, and practicing every kind of impurity. And so, I mean, even the reason why I thought about overthinking when it came to this is that there's an acknowledgement, even in the world, even in the culture, that our own minds don't hold the answers that we seek. Because where does overthinking really come from? A lot of times it's sourced by our own anxiety and insecurity. And what are we most anxious and worried and insecure about? And we're, we're most anxious and worried and insecure that our needs won't be met. We're nervous about that. We're insecure because we're afraid that our need to belong, our needs to be known, won't be met. We're anxious because we're afraid that our need to be successful, to be esteemed by our peers, won't be met. We are freaking out because we're trying to meet some legitimate need, and it seems like all evidence is pointing to a really, really disappointing outcome. So we go deeper and deeper and deeper into the recesses of our minds. And y'all, that brings you to a really, really weird place. You know when you just get into this mind spiral where you're just in your own head and you've convinced yourself that things are a particular way and that you act out of the situation that you convinced yourself was true, but it's not really real? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. So when I was a little kid, I'm going to give you guys a completely innocuous example so that you won't judge me. So I... When I was like seven, maybe I was eight. I was between the ages of seven and nine. It was the 90s. My dad went to the bank and left me in the car. That's why I say it was the 90s. It was okay to do that with your kids then. And I remember it was in the summer. My dad was a teacher, so we were home together. He went into the bank and parked the car, went inside, and I, I'm sure I had like a book or something that I was engrossed in and couldn't be bothered to get out the car. He locked the doors and stuff, and there weren't automatic windows. It was... I was safe. I'm here. So um, it started like raining, like really like intensely. And I just was like, man. And so as time went on, I'm reading more and more pages of my book. It was maybe the Babysitter's Club, maybe, I don't know, Nancy Drew or the Boxcar Children. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, so I'm reading the book and I'm getting, I'm like, my dad is taking a really long time. Man. And it's just time is going on and on and on and on. And I grew up in church. I joke that I was, well, I grew up, I've been in church for a very long time since I was in utero. And I, my, my first immediate thought is my dad has been raptured. So I literally, I'm like, no, no, it's cool. Be cool. You're fine. You're fine. Everything is okay. You're okay. But like, I'm trying to like, you know, when you're trying to like read your book, but you haven't turned a page in 15 minutes, that's me as a kid. Like, and I'm sitting in this parking lot with torrential downpour. I'm seven. I, I'm convinced that my dad has been raptured. So my only like course of action is to get out of the car, walk across, this is like on a thoroughfare, go across the street to a payphone 
and call my grandpa because I know that he's at home. And if my grandpa answers the phone, the rapture hasn't come. So I literally, I'm wearing blue jellies. It's pouring down rain. I have no, I have no umbrella. I'm pretty sure I have no change because I'm seven. And I, I'm pretty sure I call my grandpa Collect. And Collect is like 1-800-COLLECT for those that are young. And you call and you don't have to have money, but the people that you call pay for it on their next phone bill. So anyway, I call my granddad Collect and he's like, hello? And I'm like, Hey, Grandpa, how's it going? And I just make up. He was like, and I just, I'm like, oh, yeah, I was just calling to see how you were doing. And he was like, I'm fine, baby. You okay? And I just was like, yep, bye. So I just, I crossed this majorly, like, hugely busy street again in blue jelly sandals and get back in the car, and I feel super satisfied. But that's what overthinking does. It makes you make questionable, questionable choices, weird decisions where you're just relying on the insides of your mind. I don't know why I didn't think. Go inside the bank and see where your dad is. <laughs> I'm telling you, trusting your own, taking counsel within yourself leads you nowhere. Small example. And Paul is kind of saying the same thing. He's telling the folks of Ephesus, to not be like the Gentiles who walk in the futility and the uselessness of their own minds. They're leaning on their own understanding. They're doing things their own way. They're keeping counsel within themselves. Big no-nos. Paul says that they're darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. Gentiles and I think Paul here is meaning non-believers are trusting their own senses. They're trusting their own minds. They're trusting their own wills. But this reminds me back in Ephesians 2 when Paul is talking to that church. And he says, at one point, you were the same. You were just like them. He says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So Paul is saying, yo, Stop acting like that. You used to be like that, but you're not anymore. And here's the difference between the Gentiles that Paul is describing in chapter 4 and the Christians that he's talking to in this letter. The, he says that these Gentiles, they've become callous because of the hardening of their hearts. The difference between Christians and those Gentiles is that Christians heard the voice of the Lord and responded in faithful obedience. Those Gentiles heard the voice of the Lord and hardened their hearts and continued on in the same way. Y'all with me? Y'all see the difference? The Christians decided, yo, I'm not trying to live this life anymore. I'm trying to have a different kind of life. So Paul is like, you've seen the light. Live that way. Okay, I'm going to uh, bring up another blast from the past, from the 90s. Shakim, if you could play that video. Do you guys remember... Um, Sprite commercials from the 90s. It was like, first things first, obey your thirst. Yeah, we're gonna play one right now. What is cool? Does who you hang with make you cool? Yo, B, check me out. I'm funky. Uh, maybe not. Hey, wait, these dudes are cool. Whoa, bro, I'm totally cool. Nah, maybe going prep is cool. Hey, Buffy. <laughs> That is not cool. If I was like this guy, then I'd be cool. I need a cold drink. What should I drink? 
Give your brain a rest. Obey your thirst. Spray. What should I drink it with? Wasn't the 90s a fun time? That's full of stereotypes. <laughs> like, it's just, it was just completely fine to air that commercial. It was okay then. It was a, it's the wild, wild west out there. But for real, I really like what, what, what they're saying, though, because the guy is freaking out. He's like, how am I supposed to be cool? How am I supposed to live my best life now? And he's like, maybe I can be like this one. Maybe I can be like that one. Maybe I can do this. And he just is operating off of what he sees. But then this person walks up to him. It's just like, hey, give your brain a rest. Obey your thirst. And here's the thing. We're all thirsting for something. And even the Gentiles that are walking around in the futility of their own minds are thirsting for something. What's the thing that they're thirsting for? The presence of the living God. They're thirsting for the relationship with God. The difference between the unbelievers that Paul is talking about and us is that when we heard the voice of God, we softened our hearts. In Hebrews, it says, the day that you hear the Lord's, the Lord's voice, harden not your heart. And we did that. We were like, okay, yeah, I'm all in. This is what I'm doing. So since we responded to the rich mercy of God, we've been changed we don't have to walk around literally locked into the futility of our minds, just going based off of our impulses and our instincts. We don't have to do that swirling deeper and deeper into what we think could be right or wrong. No, now we have access to the heart of God. We have access to the Spirit of God who leads us and guides us into all truth. So what is Paul addressing right here? What is he saying to this group of believers? Many of us are behaving as if we are unaware of the complete transformation that has taken place in us and we revert back to the things we know. The tactics that we adopted when we were slaves to our cravings and our lusts, when everything around us was like, no, you do what feels best. You do what makes you feel good. Don't worry about anybody else. We go back to those things because we forget, no, I've been completely changed. We don't see ourselves as we really are. So um, as I was thinking and reading and praying about this, I, um, I thought of a butterfly. So one thing I want, you, I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, I am a butterfly. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. Come on, say, neighbor. I am a butterfly. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor. I am a butterfly. You're a butterfly, guys. You're so pretty. All right, so I, what helped me understand this transformation process was looking up like a little kid, the life cycle of a butterfly. The first website that popped up was Lifestyle, Life Cycle of a Butterfly, article with lots of pictures. And I was like, click, that's the one that I need. I, um, so, all right, we have stage one. I don't have a picture of this one. Stage one, nope, not yet. I don't have a picture. So stage one, um, the mama butterfly lays a bunch of eggs on a leaf. It's really gross and creepy, and it um, activates, like, some revulsion in my... So I didn't put the picture up. It's like, a, it's like a cluster of circles. It was weird, so I didn't put it up. Butterflies lay their eggs on leaves. That's the first step. All butterflies come from eggs that lay themselves on leaves. I'm sure you can imagine that. There doesn't need to be a picture. Stage two, and here's where it gets interesting for us. The larva or the caterpillar? Yeah. 
All right. So uh, when a caterpillar is born, all they do is eat. They just consume. They can't help it. And you know what they eat? They eat the leaf that they were born on. They eat and they eat and they eat. They're small. They can't go anywhere. So they, I mean, that's all that they can do. That's all they know is just consume, 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 consume. It's their instinct. This is like the unconverted. Fuzzy little caterpillars. Just following their instincts, consuming everything around them. They're consuming the systems of this world, the environment of this world, the culture of this world says, satisfy your cravings, your lusts. Do what you think is best. It's second nature, maybe even first nature. This is what it's like when you're living in the futility of your mind. You're just crunching, crunching, crunching on whatever your environment offers. So, I mean, you might gain some weight if that's what you continue to do for the rest of your life, but you'll never be who you were fully intended to be. You'll never be, if you just stay crunching on the leaf on which you were born into, you'll never be the fullness of who you were intended to be. So let's look, let's think about stage three. Stage three is the, the pupa, the pupa, pupa, it's pupa. Inside the chrysalis, the caterpillar is rapidly changing. Think of it as being wrapped up in a cocoon. I mean, it is wrapped up in a cocoon. <laughs> Think of it like that and it is like that. <laughs> Everything about the caterpillar is changing. Tissues, limbs, organs, everything is changed. And this is the point of conversion, like for us. When we decide that Jesus is going to be Lord of our lives, he's going to be the captain of our ship, the master of our destiny, his Holy Spirit comes on in us, comes on in us, and we are changed. We are a new creature. We are a new creation. We are born again. We are given everything that we need for a life of godliness. Everything about us has changed. And that chrysalis right there is like the, the warm embrace of Jesus. Think about that. Jesus wrapping his lovely arms around you, changing you, making, him, making you more like himself. That's what's going on in there. And then we move to stage four, the adult stage. And so when the butterfly is first emerging, like it has to like kind of fight its way out of there. And the, the wings are soft and folded against its body. There's not really much. I mean, it's been locked in the cocoon for some time. And what the butterfly has to do in order to uh, move on to the next stage, it has to flap its wings to get some blood flowing in there, right? So I want you to think about this. You have been transformed by the power of God. The power of God has been set at work in you to change you, to make you more like Jesus. But listen, once you've been converted, you have to learn how to live as this new creature. You have to pump some blood into those wings. And so in chapter four, what Paul is saying, listen, the new life, that list of do's and don'ts, that's how you pump blood into your wings. That's how you learn how to fly. The end is not to just get blood pumping, to get blood flowing through the wings. The end is not just for you to follow a bunch of rules so you can be a good Christian, so you can be a good person. Christ did not die for that, for you just to be a good person. He wants you to pump, those, pump that blood into your wings and take off and fly. You were created to fly. You were created to soar. 
So when you read scriptures like this in Ephesians chapter 4 and be like, this is outdated. This is not for me. This isn't what God wants for me. God wants me to just rest in his grace. God totally wants you to rest in his grace. But he's like, listen, I want you to grow up and I want you to be the fullness of who I've created you to be. So when Paul is saying stop lying, read that as pump some blood into these wings. Stop stealing. I got to strengthen these wings up. Don't talk about people. I got to get going so I can take off. Listen to the spirit of God and don't grieve it. Pump some blood into those wings. Be kind to each other. This is how I pump blood into the wing, into my wings. This is how I learn how to fly. So that list of do's and don'ts that I gave you earlier, it's a means to an end. The point is to fly. You were created to fly. You were not created to eat that leaf forever and ever and ever. So stop. How would it look if a beautiful monarch butterfly was just sitting on a leaf only, got out the chrysalis and only ate the leaf on which it was hanging? That doesn't make sense. Monarchs be on some of the loveliest flowers in some of the most beautiful places. They migrate. They fly from here to there. They're about their business. They're looking lovely. People build gardens for them. Listen, it's the same for you and me. We were made for abundance. We were made for abundant life. Y'all, listen, if you don't pump the blood into your wings, if you don't strengthen those, mu those muscles, you will not be able to live into the fullness of what God has for you. So don't be discouraged when you see lists like this. Be encouraged. Be like, yes, I'm about to be the best version of myself. I'm about to be what God has created me to be. So band, you guys can come back up. My heart for each of us in here and my heart for this body, this church, because I can't just keep it individual. I want us to think about ourselves as individuals, but also as a community, a body, a community of worshipers that's growing and hopefully looking more and more like Jesus as time goes on. I want us to think about these places where Paul is giving instruction. Put away falsehood. Speak the truth. Because we are one body. Be angry, but don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger because that gives place to the devil. Don't allow the devil to get a foothold in your life or in this house. If you've got some anger with somebody in here, listen, do the Matthew 18 thing. Go to them and be like, look, you got on my nerves, but I want to make it right because I love you. That's the right way to do things. If you like to steal, stop it. Do honest work with your own hands so that you have something to share with anyone in need. Don't let any corrupting or vile talk come out of your mouth, but only such as is good for building up, that it may give grace to those who hear. Pump the blood into your wings. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Pump the blood into your wings. Let go of bitterness. Let go of wrath and anger and clamor and division and slander and malice. Be kind. Be tenderhearted. Forgiving one another. 
Let's join our hearts and join our lives to these things so that we can become strengthened and do the work that God has called us to do. And not just do the work, but to live the glorious, abundant life that Jesus said he came to give. Let's not resist the work of the Spirit any longer, but join ourselves heartily to what God has for us. This is good news for us. This is good news for us. Father, I thank you for your presence here. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your love. I thank you for making each of us a new creation, a new creature, and that you've shown us how to take off the former way of living and to put on the new way of living. Lord, I pray that we would slide into that new garment easily and without distraction and without hesitation. But Lord, if there is distraction or hesitation on our part, I believe that your Holy Spirit will do the work in changing our hearts and minds and making them more like yours. We thank you for the power that is at work within us. We thank you for how you're changing us and rearranging us and making us new and making us whole. We thank you that you've created us to soar and not to crawl on the ground like caterpillars, just consuming what's in front of us. There's a whole world out there for us to see. Lord, thank you for the beauty of that. You're forever exalted. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to go to their posts. And I would love it if uh, what we do at this church, we have a culture of we just engage in the response time uh, demonstratively. So we either go and get prayer, we come to the altar and kneel about once a month. That's the rhythm because all of us have a great and sincere need uh, for Jesus, but also need to be interceded for um, by our brothers and our sisters. But I would ask that in this response time, you would just take a couple of moments and just reflect on the beauty of our God and the grace of our God who is so rich in mercy that he wants you to live the best, most beautiful life possible. That's real, y'all. Y'all might be like, that's prosperity gospel. Well, hear this prosperous statement right now. God wants you to live an abundant life. God does not want you crawling on the ground just taking what comes and being lost in the futility of your own mind. No, he wants to share his heart with you. He wants to give you the mind of Jesus Christ. That same power that raised Jesus Christ up from the dead is now at work in you. Even if you feel it or not, you have been transformed by the power of the gospel. It's happened. So pump some blood into your wings and let's go, y'all. This is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful gift that our God has given to us. It's so lovely. So I just would ask that in this response time, you just would take a few moments to reflect on that and just listen to the Holy Spirit and see what the Spirit is stirring in your heart. If there are places where you're just like, yeah, I've kind of just let my, um, let my wings get, I haven't developed those muscles in them. 
I'm not ready to fly. I've been eating the leaf on which I was born. I've reverted back to the things that I was used to. Yeah, offer that up to the Lord. The Lord wants to change that. He wants to transform you. He wants to re-energize you. So take these few moments to be with God, to be honest with yourself in God's presence, and to be honest with God as well.